join me by turning to Luke chapter 7. I have a Christmas gift up here that I'm going to talk about at the end of the service, and we're going to be participating in something throughout this Christmas season, and we'll talk more about it next week, but I want to prepare you for that as you hear the sermon, as we then seek to apply it. Luke chapter 7 will be our text. It's in, our, it's in your bulletin as well as it will be on the screen here. I'm going to read that in just a few minutes. We just sang songs. We just sang words and lyrics that expressed what we just said was amazing grace. We, we sang words and about deep, deep love. It should be the case that there shouldn't be, there, there is, that we would not be able to find anywhere in the earth people like Christians where fathers love their children, mothers love their children, where children love their parents, where pastors love their flock, and where people in the church love each other and are so devoted, where there is a tenderness towards the orphan and the widow, and to the widower and to the lonely, to to the sick and to the refugee, to the, the, the sinner, it should be said of Christians and people in the church, I don't know anybody that loves in such radical and amazing and where is the explanation for that type of love way? I love Christmas. I love the season that we are just about to enter, we're just entering Thanksgiving. And then right with Thanksgiving, we got everybody's a lot, supposed to put their decorations up, and everybody's supposed to go shopping, and everybody's supposed to experience all of the, the frill and the thrill of what we call the holiday season. They'll have the Christmas specials out, and we'll have all this, the Christmas movies out, and the Christmas songs out on the radio, which which most of them probably are going to be already this week. But one of the stories in the Christmas season comes from Charles Dickens. You know, because this story of Charles Dickens has become so iconic in the Western world and has become a major metaphor for Christmas and generosity. You know the story. You know the story about Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge, as you watch that story, you are astounded by the contrast of how Ebenezer Scrooge goes from a Scrooge to an anti-Scrooge. We know what Scrooge means. Scrooge means miserly. It means someone who is the opposite of generous, someone who is the opposite of Christmas, because that story so vividly and helpfully brings out that picture in a man named Ebenezer 
Scrooge. But as if you have followed the story long enough and you make it through the end of the movie or you make it through the end of the book for the hundredth time, you find a transformation. And I love how in the story of the Christmas Carol, you find a man at the end of the story dancing in the streets of London. You find someone who is so mean and cruel to his employee, and now he is generous, taking care of his sick son, Tiny Tim. You find him running through the streets, and there becomes no one in London who makes Merry Christmas merry like Ebenezer Scrooge. He is a transformed man. He is a transformed man that cannot now help himself to be absolutely generous, to absolutely enjoy every Christmas party, to help to give to almost all the charities that come across his path. He cannot help himself. You see, Ebenezer Scrooge is changed. He was transformed in the story of the Christmas Carol. What if that happened to us? What if something happened to us that resulted in a type of love that changed us, changed how we saw the world, changed how we saw the people around us, changed how we looked at our possessions and our, our money. Well, God's Word tells us that there is something that does transform God's people in a way that is so much more profound than Ebenezer Scrooge in the Christmas Carol. I'm going to come back to this at the end, but there is something that is so deep and so important that we need to grasp that as we come to this Christmas season and we want to have the attitudes of love and of joy and of gratitude, Gratitude as we enter this week with thanksgiving. And then thanksgiving to God in Christ for sending His Son to be our Savior. Joy to the world, we'll sing. What is the foundation? Because if you notice, in the story of the Christmas carol, Ebenezer Scrooge doesn't wake up on Christmas morning, and he doesn't go, Man, I feel lousy, but I better start doing better. Now, what should I do? Okay, I guess I'll do it. I'm supposed to do it. It's my duty. We know that's not the case. When we see him, we see him from the inside out, a transformed person. And such is true of the gospel. Let's look at Luke chapter 7, verses 36 or 50. This is... a glorious story of amazing grace in the life of a woman. If we had time, we would unpack how the author, Luke, wrote this story in a very unique way, just from a literary perspective. But what we find here coming forward is in a very important truth that I just want to see for just a few minutes and then... And then I pray that God would use it to kind of launch us into the Christmas season. 
launch us into thanksgiving, which is kind of that beginning. We, we as Christians redeem these very marketed holidays, and we say, yes, the world thinks this of it, but this is a time where we express in a unique and special way, because the world has already recognized it to some degree, that we give thanks to God who has transformed us and is transforming us, and we give thanks to God, and we express our love with generous acts of love and of faith. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50 is a story of a Pharisee, Jesus, and a woman most likely a prostitute. One of the Pharisees asked him, that's Jesus, to eat with him, and he went And he went into the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. And behold, a woman in the city, of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who sort of woman this is and who is touching him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. That's the name of the Pharisee. And he said to him, say it, teacher, or say it, rabbi. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, from whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith is saved. You go in peace. So God, I pray that you would take this word, that in it points us to Jesus in the gospel. And I pray that you would do a work that you intend to do in me and in your church and maybe some in here that are really not part of your true church and that they have not been brought in and been saved. And I pray that you do it. And I pray that we would be forgiven much this morning. Please do that for us in Jesus' name. Amen. What I want us to see this morning and I've entitled this sermon, Be Forgiven Much. That's, that's my, 
my call to you, and Mike, I think this the emphasis of this passage is be forgiven much. Now, you could take, take that title and say, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? What I do not mean is that you are already forgiven, and you just need to get forgiven a little bit more. I don't mean that. I also don't mean that there are some people that have a type of forgiveness, and there's another people that have another special type of forgiveness, and I don't mean that either. But what I do think, there is something that I want you to think about, and I think every Christian, and I'll even broaden that, every person, whether they are a Christian or not, whether they think they're a Christian or not, wherever they are in their life, they need to hear this. Be forgiven much. Here's a story. It's a seven-part story. We have seven main acts in the story. And I say seven because if you were to look at the way this was designed, there are seven parts that's happening, and they're actually parallel. You find, and then right in the center of this story is a parable. And the parable was written to get us to the very heart of what's happening in this story. And so we're going to look at that parable in just a minute, but let's look at these seven parts of the story. I don't have a main notes for you. I want to explain the story. I want us to compare two people here in this story and then apply it and then pray that God would apply it in our lives. Here we find Jesus. In number one, we find the introduction. And in this story, we find, in this introduction, we have Jesus coming in and having been invited to a Pharisee's house. We know his name was Simon. He comes to his house, and Simon, had, we, we don't for sure know why Simon invited him, but what we do know is surrounding these chapters, we find that Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners, and he's getting a little bit of a reputation among the religious groups around there that he is a teacher, that he is a rabbi, but there is something wrong here. He is a friend of sinners. In fact, right before this, we find that Jesus says, they said about John the Baptist, he is this way, and they're saying that I'm a drunkard and a friend of sinners. And we find Jesus And I think that what happened here is Pharisees said, let's take him in, let's question him, and let's judge for ourselves whether he's really a prophet, as he says he is, or if he's a scoundrel, if he is a fake, if he is a sinner, and we should should throw him out of our circles. So we find Simon. He invites Jesus in. But what we find, and we find Jesus coming into the house, and we find something seriously missing. Jesus comes into the house and Jesus is immediately snubbed. Jesus comes into the house and if you were sitting around there and from if we step back and look at this entire story, we learn some things that I didn't see when I initially studied this passage, but Jesus comes in and this Pharisee does not greet him. He does not give him a customary greeting him with a kiss that was done. It was kind of like in our standards would have been a handshake. He did not offer to have a servant or anybody wash his feet or to anoint his head in any type of way. He instead comes and he sits down, having been insulted by this man in the Middle East. You just don't do that sort of thing. It would be like for me if I was sitting at watching TV, watching a Michigan game like yesterday, and as you come to my house, you ring the doorbell, and I say, ah, come on in. 
And I just stay watching. I don't turn the TV off. I don't do anything. And I guess you might want to come in, and, but you don't feel real welcomed. You feel like there's a chilly, cold air. That's what happened here in this story. We find Jesus coming in. As Jesus comes in, we find, though in contrast, an expression of devotion and love by a woman. Here we find the story of a woman who is described as a sinner and as someone of the city. And later on, Jesus says, this woman who has been, which her sins are many, we find this woman expressing an amazing act. And in fact, to that culture, and a very embarrassing act. This woman comes as Jesus sits down on the couch, probably not having been anointed, and he didn't have his feet washed by Simon or Simon's servants, and said, and the way, in those days, they sat on these couches or they sat on mats, and they would sit in a, sometimes in a circle around, and almost like a spoke of a wheel, their feet would be brought out a little bit, so their feet were behind them. You've probably seen pictures of that. So their feet were to the back of them, and she came, and immediately she saw a need, and she started to weep and weep and weep and wash her, wash, wash this person's feet, wash Jesus's feet, and wipe her hair. He wiped her feet, his feet with her hair, and she took a very expensive ointment, a perfume, alabaster. And she anointed his feet. Now, what's going on here? When we find after this action of this woman, we find Simon starting to think, huh, just what I suspected. Jesus isn't a prophet. If he was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is. Jesus proves that he's a prophet by responding, by knowing exactly what he's saying, knowing exactly what this Pharisee is thinking, and he tells him a parable. We're going to get to that parable in a minute. And after he tells that parable, he then applies that parable both to the woman and to Simon, and then declares that she's forgiven. In this parable, we see two very different characters. We find two individuals. We have first Jesus. He's, he is, comes into the scene. Jesus is coming onto the scene. He is the main character of the Gospel of Luke. But we find him coming, and we find him meeting a Pharisee named Simon, and we find a nun, unnamed woman who we most think was a prostitute. But what we find here is this woman here has probably been already forgiven. She probably had been throughout the city, going through the city, and the crowds had gathered, and she had heard the good news of that a prophet was come. His name was Jesus of Nazareth, and Jesus of Nazareth was preaching that forgiveness could be had to everyone, and that sinners, all they had to do was repent and turn from their sins, and he brought forgiveness, and she thought, this has to be too good to be true. He said that I could be forgiven. And at, at some point in this, she believed Jesus, and her sins. 
sins were forgiven her. And she now finds, says, I need to express this love. I need to express this gratitude that I now have. And she finds Jesus, and she hears, hears that Jesus is going to be eating at a Pharisee's house. And as was custom, when a rabbi would come with these Pharisees, they often had an open house policy where people could come in, and they could go around the outskirts of the room, and they could listen to whoever was talking, and they would learn a lot about, as the Pharisees and the scribes and the rabbis, they would speak, and that's what was probably happening here. And I think from this, the events that we see here, that this woman was probably at the house before Jesus got there. She was sitting in the back of the room. She wanted to meet Jesus. She wanted to thank him for his forgiveness, thank him that he is the Messiah. She had had her sins overwhelmingly forgiven, and we're going to see here in a minute why I believe that had happened already. It's not going to happen here. He's, he's going to announce that she's forgiven, but it had already happened. And so we find two characters. We find a Pharisee and a sinful woman. We find one that hosts Jesus and one who comes to meet Jesus. We find one who wants to be Jesus' judge, and we find one who wants to come and thank Jesus. We find one who is a law keeper, a Pharisee. Pharisees were the religious gurus of that time, often lay leaders in Israel. They were the ones that wanted to keep the law, and they wanted to make sure that everybody else was keeping the law. But many of them were very devout. They sought to be very rigorous in how they tithed and how they fasted and how they did everything ceremonially clean. And then we have a lawbreaker. We had a woman who is immoral repeatedly. We have a, a woman we don't know much about, but she is described as a sinner, and she does not or no one disputes that in the story. We have a man, and we have a woman. We have someone who's religiously pure, at least from their standards, and one who is rebellious and impure. We have one who then acts very rude. And we have one that shows love and devotion to Jesus. We have one who doubts Jesus and judges Jesus, and we have one who, in the end, we see believes Jesus, loves Jesus, treasures Jesus. Now, we get to get to the moral of this story. We get to the, the heartbeat of what Jesus wants us to get. What I believe God's message for his church today is, is found in the parable. We find Jesus coming in. This woman is overwhelmed with a type of love and gratitude. Is We don't know what her tears are for. We believe that her tears are probably at least out of a love for forgiveness. Because Jesus is going to give us a little bit of an understanding of it in a minute when he talks of Simon towards the end of this. And it could be that she was weeping because she saw how rude her master and Lord was treated by this supposed religious man, Simon. Jesus tells a parable and he says, there was a money lender. This money lender had lent to, had two, two, two debtors. One had 50 on his debt, and one had 500 denarii on the debt. That was 20 months of wages and 20 days of wages. And 
They couldn't pay anything. And so the money lender canceled their debt completely, forgave it. Jesus looked at the Pharisee, Simon, and he said, Simon, what one of these debtors will love the money lender more? And Simon replied, I suppose it's the one that was forgiven 500 or more. And Jesus said, you judge rightly. Then Jesus looks at, Simon, looks at the woman and then says things to Simon that should cause Simon to fear and the woman to feel absolute relief. But what you need to see here is something took place in this house that was shocking. Jesus comes in and he has a reputation now. And I, if it was me, I, if I'm Jesus, as, and I'm a sinner though, Jesus isn't a sinner, but I, as a sinner, if I try to put myself in Jesus' shoes, I'm feeling a little nervous and I want to make sure that to these religious people, I let them know that I do love God's law. I want to make sure that purity matters. And I'm not just calling sinners and then they can just live in their sins. They do need to fear God and they need to turn their lives to God. that, That must be right. That's how I would think. And Jesus comes in and when this woman comes and she does the unthinkable now. First of all, she's a woman, and she does something, and, and she's a woman that has reputation. That makes it worse. And she does something. She takes her hair down. She must have, because she washes his feet and wipes her hair, her, his feet with her hair. In Middle Eastern culture, that was an absolute forbidden thing. Taking your hair down was something you only did with your husband in the privacy of your own home. It had sexual overtones to it. It had, had had something that you just did not do in that culture. And then she expresses affection as she cares for, and not in any sexual way, but in a loving, devoted way, cares for Jesus and shows a type of devotion and love. To her. And Jesus sits there. Jesus doesn't go, start to get really uncomfortable. Jesus doesn't start to go, hey, you know, you know what? We can, we can talk outside. We're at this place. This is not in a, this is inappropriate. Uh, I know that you mean well. Thank you. He, you. You don't have any of that attitude of Jesus towards this woman. He sits there. The the Pharisee judges. Jesus has a response. Jesus looks at this Pharisee, tells him the story, and then he does what you what is just shocking to any Middle Eastern. He ins- Jesus, in a sense, indirectly insults the Pharisee for how he's been treated, and he reveals his heart. Jesus looks at him and he says, I came in here. And when I came in here, she hasn't stopped caring for me and all my needs, but when I came in here, here's what you did. I, when I came in here, I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. When I came in here, you did not anoint my head, but she came and she has anointed my feet 
with ointment. And then he says to her and to them, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Now what does Jesus mean? Does Jesus mean what most religious people often think? Most people, when they come and think about religion, they think that the way you get God's favor and reward is that you do the right things. Yes, maybe even Christians will say, yes, salvation is by grace because we can never do the right things. But still, the way we get right with God and go to heaven someday, the way we have assurance of all these things is we do what's right. We show a love to God. We need to show a devotion to God. And then God rewards those who have devotion to God and forgives us. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Even though it looks on the surface, in the English Standard Version, that's what Jesus says. He says, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. So what either Jesus means is, Simon, her sins are forgiven because she's showing love, and that love just earned her forgiveness. That's option one. Or option two is her sins, which were many, have been forgiven, and it's been manifested by how much she loves. It's like this. It would be like if I said, it's snowing outside because there's snow on the windowsill. Did the snow on the windowsill cause the snow to happen? No. It is the sign that it did snow. And so in this story, Jesus is saying, I know that forgiveness has come to this woman because something has transformed her heart. She does not care what I think. And that I'm a, she's not afraid that I'm going to judge her. She is not afraid what you, Simon, think. She is going to meet my needs. She expressed her absolute devotion and love to me in such a way because something overwhelmed her and she is relieved by the forgiveness and love of God. And so what we find in this story is we find a woman... And by the way, we're going we're gonna to be looking at God's gracious ministry and love to women in the, book of, in, in the book of Ruth in the coming weeks. And God was, Jesus was so transformative in that culture where women were treated as second-class citizens, always beyond, below men. Jesus elevated them and showed his love and care to them, and he does this to this woman. And what we find here, that Jesus, who is that money lender, we find Jesus who is the one who lent money and, and is compared in the parable to the money lender who has canceled debts. This woman realized her sins were forgiven. And by faith, she received it. By faith, she received the grace of God in her life. And it resulted in love, in great love. But we find the great law keeper in this story. There's a law giver, there's a law keeper, and there's a law breaker. Both are sinners. And one was forgiven. 
both were sinners, one is forgiven. And what results in that, that forgive, forgiveness, or the forgiveness, is great devotion and love. Now, I think what we get from this story, as it relates to the Christmas season, as it relates to Thanksgiving, is each one of us needs to remember the gospel and how it applies to my life and your life. I want to ask you, have you been forgiven much? And is it demonstrated by your love? Does your love to God, and then 1 John 4 talks about if we love God, we love our brothers, we love one another, does your love for God demonstrate that you understand that you've been forgiven much? Or does... Is, is forgiveness something that you just take for granted? I've been forgiven because that's just what God does. Because it's not just that. We're going to see here in a minute. As you go into the Christmas season, what what has transformed you? Or has it transformed you? Has the love of Jesus transformed you as you ponder your forgiveness in God. Here we, here we find in here the gospel. God or Jesus is the money lender. Every one of us have debts that we cannot pay. That's our sin. God freely cancels our debts. And the one who to everyone who receives the gift of God through for, of forgiveness through faith and the person Proof of that forgiveness is love and obedience to God. To a God that loves us and forgave us. You see, the, the more we understand the depth of our law, our, our sin, and the assurance of God's forgiveness, that is the motivation for any Christian living. You want to say, okay, God, I want to grow in loving my children. God, help me to better understand as I relate to my children who are hard, or as I relate to my spouse who is difficult, or as I relate to my relationships in my life, help me to remember how much you have forgiven me. And in the reality, this won't happen until we have been what Tim Keller calls melted and moved by the great cost in which it costs Jesus and God to forgive us. I want to conclude by this. The, the forgiveness, if you've been forgiven of your sins, and some of you need to be forgiven because you sit in this room having gone to church all of your life, or some of your life, or just recently, but God is right now calling you to receive His forgiveness. And, and what, the way you receive it is to believe that He offers it freely to you, but it absolutely cost Jesus everything. If we have received forgiveness, and we we know that this has started, we have been forgiven, as we increasingly are melted and moved by the sight of what it cost God to bring us His forgiveness. Do you understand do you 
this Thanksgiving season, as we come and we feast, let's feast, but let's thank God that his, as we take food, we go and remember this died so that we can enjoy this food. And so we remember Christ died for my sins that I might have life. Christ is my life. As I go into the Christmas season, ask God to transform you from the inside out to say, okay, God, I want to make this Christmas season not about me, but about a shining forth of the gospel of Jesus Christ in my life has forgiven me, and I want to love much to the world. I want to show the world love. I want to show love to the world in expressions of faith. So God, would you help me to do that? And so this Christmas season, I want to challenge you to do that in two specific ways. Two specific ways. Would you take out, if you got one of these when you came in, there was a sheet, a half sheet of paper, that one side it has Wednesday gathering, and we're going to talk about that in the business meeting in a few minutes, and then Christmas giving at faith on the second side. We are here at the Christmas season, and we're beginning this new, I wrote down this, we're beginning this new chapter in the life of faith. I'm here as a pastor, we're, in a sense it's a new chapter, but it's, it's the same book, a great book, that God has been doing a work in this body, this people here at faith. And with this Christmas, we're here at this Christmas season, and we're at the end of the year. For Christians, every season is a time to give, but especially this season. How can we as a church respond to the Lord's faithfulness and provision? I want to I want to say two things. I want you to read about it. Read it and let God work in your heart in that. But I want to especially challenge you to one very tangible way. First of all, would you... I, one of the things I love about this church is that God has clearly moved in so many of you members to be a generous church. We might look at the... We might look at this offering sheet, and every time we have the weekly budget update, we go, oh, we're behind. You know what? Maybe, but man, the numbers there, God, you guys have been really generous, and that's God's grace. And I thank God for that. And God, in His mercy, will move people to give as He calls them to give, and I, I call you to do that as God leads you. In fact, there, in very small print, you can see on this there, on the sheet, well, Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Whoever each must give as he's decided in his heart, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I would say that loving, cheerful giver comes from a heart that knows he's been given everything in the gospel of Jesus. He's been forgiven, and it costs. Jesus went to the cross for me. And God is now able to make all grace abound to me so that I may be abound in every good work. And so, what I, here, there's two challenges. One is, you might go, oh, this is a challenge to the end of your giving. It is. But it is to say, hey, transform your thinking. Let's end this year, and let's end going into 2015, or into 2016 by saying, let's continue to give our gifts and offerings, our tithes and offerings, like you have been. And some of you might say, well, now's the time to start. And then secondly, give a little bit above and beyond. Let's end 2015 by getting caught up and paying where we need to pay, getting any any of our, we're going to have a business meeting and talk about some of our business affairs on this, but so that we can get into 2016. But don't give because you like this building. Don't give because you like me. Don't give because you like the pastors or because you like just the idea of Faith Baptist Church. Give because...
because you love the gospel, you want more people to, to come into the gospel. So that's the first thing. As you go into this Christmas season, pray and say, God, what would you have me express my love and devotion to that? But second, we need to, as we go into this Christmas season, think about that person across the street from you that needs Jesus. That neighbor, that friend that you know of, that maybe you've been building a friendship with, and maybe you haven't been. But I think almost every one of you would have somebody that's in that category. I want to, I want to, we're going to have a challenge, and it's a church-wide, all of you, please participate in this. I have, we, we have a, we have a package down there, and we have, here's a different one, there's two different ones, it's a little thicker, I'm going to explain what they are, and next week we're going to go into a little bit more detail. But we have a table outside, and you can start taking. You can start acting on this today. We are praying. I, I wrote it down here. We are praying. We want to prayerfully and strategically at Faith Baptist Church deliver at least seventy-five gifts to searching friends and neighbors in our community with the hope that God would bring forth fruit for us in our lives through this and in their lives this Christmas season. This is what it's going to be. We have two two gift bags, two gift packages like this. Julie put them all together. I had nothing to do with that. Um, and the, this is a, a gift that goes to a family that has little children, children that would enjoy a book like the Big Picture Interactive Bible Storybook with, the God, with connecting Christ to God's story and everything. And then there's another one that's for a single person or a couple that doesn't have little kids. So every we have a gift that would fit any category of people. And in these in these gifts, for this we have a Bible storybook, we have a Bi- uh, ESV Bible, Old and New Testament, with the plan of salvation in it. We have the, what is the gospel a track? We have in this one a Chris, how many days till Christmas uh, children's track. We have another Bible storybook in here, and we have The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. It talks about how Christmas is a real historical event. We can even look, and, and these are all meant to be delivered and given to your friend or your neighbor this Christmas who needs a relationship with God. Maybe you don't know where they are spiritually. Maybe they're a Christian, but they haven't been going to church and this is what this is for, is for you to this Christmas season. And we, we, have, we have a goal of 75. And I think we can meet that. Some of you are going to do two or three or four, and some of you one. But we want to take 75, we want to reach 75 homes that we are going to pray for and then carefully pass out. And so we, you're going to need to do that. You might need to go home today as a family or as a couple or as an individual and say, who am I going to reach out to? Next week, we're going to challenge you to take these actually home with you. You can take them home today as well. What we're going to do is we're going to ask you to to take them and then deliver them. We'll give some suggestions how you may do that. You might knock on the door and say, hey, my name is Daniel Pats. I live right down the road here. Our kids play together. Christmas is a really special time for us. And the, the biggest reason is because Jesus, it's all about Jesus, and He saved us. And, and we have a little gift, Christmas gift for you. We'd like to give it to you. In this, it will be an invite to our church. It will give an in, invite to our Christmas services at church, as well as 
just our church in general. But that's not, our main point isn't to fill this church with visitors this Christmas season with these packages. It is meant to be a platform to start building gospel relationships and planting seeds. It might be that in, it might not be till Easter or a year from now where these books will be sitting on their shelves. They'll go through a crisis and then they'll pick it up and go, oh yeah, what was the name of that church? Or who can I call? Who's that neighbor that reached out to me? Would you think outwardly this Christmas season? Because of what Jesus did for you. Would you think outwardly and say, God, how can I express love? And think about to think, fill in the blank on who that name is in order to reach them with these gifts. And would you today start praying for that person? Will you start praying for that family that God would use it? So let's pray. Father, I pray that you would use 75 gifts that we are going to deliver to community or families in our community. God, would you please... of individuals here for one or two or three names and families that we can deliver this Christmas. And I pray that you'd use them and bring bring growth in our lives as we do this. And would you bring growth and transformation in those who receive them. Would you let it be right away?
Okay, we're going to begin. Thanks for, thanks for staying here for this meeting. But I guess I don't need to say thank you because you should, we're all together. We're family. So we, this is our duty. This is what we're called to do. And we are, we are called to partner together as, as a church. And one of the ways which we believe as a Baptist church is that God works through the people. This is not just a few leaders that make all the decisions. This, this business meeting is mainly about a budget as well as officers, but I want to give you a quick update. This is my, as you know, my first business meeting of being a pastor. I guess I was, at, I was the pastor, was voted as the pastor our last business meeting we had. If you need to get a sheet, we'll, we'll let everyone get a sheet here and we'll begin. God, that he would guide and direct us. Um, it's kind of a, a business family meeting. I want to thank, I want to thank Herm. Thanks for uh, making it possible for us to park in the parking lot this morning. Uh, yeah. We have been probably here about 2 a.m., so thank you for that. And, and really thank, thank you all for the way you minister that people are served here in the congregation through the members of the body coming together and serving. Let's pray. God, thank you for your provision to us. God, we need you to provide this coming year. We cannot presume that we just deserve it or that we're going to get it without asking. You tell us to ask for your provision for daily bread. And I pray you do that here even with the church. We have a need financially. We ask that you provide and you give us wisdom and teach us what you want to teach us through it, even if we have to reduce things and budgets. But God, I pray that you would grow us in this coming year. I pray that we would, next year at this time, rejoice over what you have done and have done over this past year. And so God, use the things we talk about. We commit them all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is kind of, I've done many business meetings, but everyone does them differently, and so I'm getting used to, and will bear with me as I get used to how we do them here at Faith, and there'll probably be some adjustment. I'll bring some of the way I do them here as well by blending it in with how you've done it in the past at Faith. And so, in a few minutes, Lee Monday, our chairman of our deacons, will actually uh, lead us on the business side when it comes down to the nominations as well as the budget and financial update and budget. But I wanted to give you kind of a pastoral update and talk to you about Wednesday gathering. Um, I want to begin by saying it is a blessing and to be here with my family at Faith. This journey began at the end of May, though I didn't think that was going to be where God was leading us. And he did that over the summer, and uh, it is good to call this church home and this area home. And, and I, I speak for Molly and the kids, and so thank you for 
welcoming us to to this family. And it's it's been it's been been a good start. It's been really encouraging to to me. And I love being back in the pastorate, and I love being your pastor. And I feel like there's a as I I wanted to just share this with you. As I enter into the beginning of this ministry, there are some priorities that I have, and I tell them to you so that you would pray for me and help me on that in these areas. My priorities, and they all are, like a good preacher, there's an alliteration. Uh, prayer, I want to I give myself to prayer. Prayer for you, prayer for my ministry, prayer for this church in general, and that God would do it. Preaching, that I would, pre- I would prepare, I would preach by God's Spirit and make that an emphasis. Planning, that we would carefully and intentionally entrust in God with the deacons, with the staff here in the church, plan as we get going in the coming year, and not just look to one year, but look to the coming years where God have us. Personal relationships, I want to get to know you. I want to get to know you and your family. I can't get to know everybody equally, but I want to get into your lives and know how I can be a good pastor and shepherd you. Impatience. Some of the things that we pray that God would do in our lives, we have to have the patience of a farmer. No one plants a seed and gets frustrated that there wasn't an apple tree in one day. And and so would you please pray for me as I as I continue to go. I know you have been praying for me, and I love when I hear, hey, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Thank you. I feel it. Okay. One of the things at, over the last seven, eight weeks, as I've gone through the first things first, that was a very, I would say that that sermon series was as important for me as it was for the church. As I had to step back and go, okay, what is foundational for this church? What are we going to put as a priority? And we are going to, the Word of God is central. And Christ and His Gospel is central. It drives us to the Gospel. The Word drives us to the Gospel. And the Word and the Gospel, or it drives us to God's glory, and then to the Gospel, and then to our mission. And if you remember, I said, our, this church, so this gathering, should be caring about at least three things. Our mission is about three things. We are to worship God. Do you remember what the second one was? Worship was the first one. Some deacon should know because we went over this in a deacon's meeting. Please help me. It starts with an N. Nurture. The church worships, nurtures, and then evangelism and mercy. And we are to keep all of those in balance. We are to be a church that ever grows in being a worshiping church, a nurturing church, where we build up believers. I pray that we could say in a year from now and then in five years from now, we'd look around and not just see numbers grow, having grown, grown with through evangelism and service into our community. But I hope we would say we see growth, spiritual growth. We see maturity built up so that there are just growing leaders in this church that are being used by God to use their gifts within the body and we'd, and we'd be wanting to plant churches because, it, because of there's, there's a nurturing that takes place. And that, that, is our, that is a burden and a goal. With all that said, we are the fellowship. That, that nurture takes place when we are fellowshipping. 
when, when I said fellowship has to do with deep spiritual relationships that have communion with each other. We have, we have a spiritual care and intimacy where we share the Word of God, we pray for one another, we care for one another. It also means we partner with one another. This, this, this book gift thing that we're talking about right here, the Christmas book giveaway, this, this is meant to be a means for us to partner together in order to, bring, to evangelize. But in many ways, I, I pray and trust that we will actually be knit together as we pray for one another. And we pray for it. We hear stories. I pray that in January and February, we'll have stories of, man, i got to tell you, God used this book giveaway in my kid's life. Because instead of thinking about what kind of gifts they're going to get, they've been thinking about Johnny down the street. Or, man, we never knew how God would take that encounter with that couple that are not, they're not married, they're living across the street, and we, they need Jesus, so we went over there and we brought this gift, and now, now we, we, have a, we have a new friendship with them, and we're going we're gonna to keep praying. I hope that we have stories. Okay, with all that said, those are the foundations that should say, okay, what is this church about, and how are we going to do, do what we do? And as deacons, we met together, we meet monthly, and we said, okay, how... We need to let those things, our mission, which is worship, nurture, evangelism, mercy, they need to drive what we do at the church. We, we don't say, we don't go, okay, we're going to do all these things because we think they might be good. We need to say, what does God say is our mission? And then let that drive us what we do. With that said, in our last deacons meeting, we, we discussed about how we can do a better job pursuing fellowship and unity and relationship in the gospel so that we can partner together better. We said, how can we do this? And I want to present to you something that we are going to we are going to start in the month of January. Starting January 13th, we are going to begin Wednesday gatherings. We will begin gathering every Wednesday evening. And I wrote here to glorify God through the gathering of the entire church in a relaxed yet intentional atmosphere with the purpose of devotion to the fellowship. So what that is, basically, in other words, we're going to have a Wednesday night service. But what that Wednesday night service is not going to be is, it's not going to be a Sunday morning light service. Uh, what we do on Sunday morning, we do different, just a little bit different. No, it's going to have a different function, a different purpose. I'm going to lead the meeting. We are going to continue to have the ministries that have been have been started and have been going for a while and are a blessing. We have Faith Kids, the Kids Club that meets, and then we have the youth group that will be meeting. And so there are parents that are already coming, dropping off their kids. Hopefully you will be able to continue on and be part of this time. We'll meet from 6.45 to 8 o'clock, an hour and 15 minutes, and we're going to gather, and it's going to be a church-wide thing. We are encouraging small groups or Bible studies that are impacted by that to make some adjustments, and they've been very gracious to us in that. In fact, if, if they need to, to kind of come and make this part of their this their main thing and make this a priority. Here's a desire that I have. I desire that we can have a more intentional, a, an intentional but informal time where we gather to do some things that you just can't do on a Sunday morning, where we get to grow to know each other and to build a relationship. We're still the size of a church, small enough, where we can all meet together 
most of us meet together in a big room and can really have a type of interaction. And I pray that over this next two years, and with the pur- one of the purposes of the Wednesday gathering will be we will teach, I will be teaching the Word in a different dynamic than a preaching setting, teaching on prayer and praying together. And by the way, for those that are, are introverts that, man, when you hear praying together, you fear that you're going to be called out to pray in front of people, you won't be. You won't be. We will be sensitive to you in such a way that you can come and, and not just be thrust into that panic-feeling type of way. We will have, we will be, we need a place where we're going to be sharing prayer requests. We'll, we'll, we're going to work on some ways so even those that can't make it on Wednesday night, they'll be able to share prayer requests and then we'll pray for them in the congregation here and hear testimonies of what God's doing. So we, we have a time, hey, what's God doing? And there are, you need to know what God's doing in someone else's life in a way that you haven't been finding out recently. It's been maybe just what happened in your small group. This will be a time for vision casting, and so say something new is happening in the church. We're introducing something that maybe I need to teach on something that's very practical to the life of our church. That's where I would sometimes choose to do that. We will have we won't have a normal worship service where we'll have a worship team and singing a lot of songs. But this will be a time where Pastor Jay can introduce a new song. Maybe we'll sing that same song each week for a while to learn it. Songs that we'll sing on Sundays both new songs and old songs. Uh, occasionally we'll have missionaries or guests that will come in. And I could see us having our business meetings at this time too as, as we grow to make this become a normal type of service that we're used to attending. And I know that it doesn't work for everybody. Some people's schedules are they're working at, at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. And I understand that there's probably really no time that works for everybody. Same with Sunday mornings. I pray that God will use this to become one of the most, our favorite times of the week. We come together and go, man, I grow in a bond with the church in such a unique way. And I pray that what would bond this church together would not be age group definition, would not be your hobbies and interests, but would all of those things would be fun and you'd enjoy the diversity that you have with each other, but what bring us together as a compelling community is that, is that we all share Christ together and because we're part of that same church, that person across the, the, the room or in the next aisle, in the next chair to me that I'm just getting to know, they are my brother, they are my sister in Christ, and I want to covenant with them. If you're a member of the church, I don't have it here, next business meeting will bring it out. We have a church covenant. And we want to live out that covenant, those promises to each other. And Wednesday night will be a way in which we will seek to do it in a greater way. We realize that won't include everybody because there are some that are serving in the youth ministry and will be serving with children's ministry. And we, we're going to need to work towards helping share that load with them so, so that they can be part of other parts to the service as well. And we'll be able to talk about the needs of the church on Wednesday nights, the, the different burdens we have, as well as pray and seek God. Now, that that's just an overview of it. And some of you probably heard whispers about this, knew that this was kind of coming, wondering about that. Is there any questions about it that I can answer right now? Maybe, maybe I wasn't clear, and I, I'll try to answer it. Yes. 
might not be set in stone, but we can talk about that later. I, I don't. The, the reason is this: we already have things going on at six. People are coming around six thirty. Crystal, what time does it usually start for the kids? It starts at six thirty, and we, uh, the thinking was parents will come, drop their kids off, and they can make their way. And we'll start formally start at six forty-five and get done right at eight, and they can pick up their kids. Does that seem to fit with the schedule? Perfect. Okay, good. And that, that was the reason why we chose that. And if you go too too early for those that are working, it's really hard to make it. And for some people, um, it's too late because of the of age of kids. So, yeah. Other questions? Th- this is where I hope that all, every single member in our church will not look at this as an optional thing. But like, I need to be part of this because I want to be part of this. this my, I will be fed by this. I will be encouraged by this. I'll get to know the church of whom I'm part of in a greater and deeper way because of this Wednesday night service. That you'll be nurtured because of this. We will grow in fellowship with each other because of this. And uh, please be in prayer for us. And I, I welcome your feedback on this, both through email or personal. Come talk to me. Call me. Um, and and uh, pray for us as we get going on this. I wanted to share that with you in this way. We'll be talking about it in the coming month as we prepare for January 13th, the Wednesday gathering. So with that, Lee Monday is going to come up and do business. I know that we have several people that want to become members and are in the process of membership for whatever reason, for different reasons. Um, they haven't, we haven't been able to get all the way to point where they're going to actually become members today, but they will soon, and and I anticipate we'll have even more of that in the coming coming months. So, Lee, would you come up and do this? The first order of business is uh, new officers. Uh, does anyone have a ballot? I do want to just, uh, there's obviously three positions on your deacons, the church clerk and nominating committee. Uh, there are three people that are uh, on the ballot, and I'm looking for your vote on three. So you say, why vote? This is really con- confirmation from you that you s- will support them. Now, it's not because there's only three qualified. That is not the case. There are a lot more men than that are qualified. Some people felt that this was not their call. Some people felt not their call presently. And so, and there's other activities in life, other ministries. And so these are the three that had said uh, they, would, they, they would be willing to serve in this capacity. I do appreciate the men who volunteer are currently serving and these people who uh, have agreed to serve uh, for the first time or in some cases again. Um, and just let me tell you, this is not just yes, yeah, they work through the budget. Uh, yes, they work through different strategies and, and ministries that Pastor Daniel talked about, but it is mainly primarily service. And it is the kind of thing if, if you look at the widow's roof, the very three deacons up on that roof work on it because that is their, obviously we serve Pastor Daniel in the church, but really again it is service. So, uh, you can cross as many, you can mark as many as you want on that. I don't know about the first day, he's a, sort of a shifty character, but uh, uh, you might want to be careful of him. On the church clerk, uh, 
duties and that was the only one on there, and select the one to serve one-year terms. Now, some of you might say, well, Julie is already a church clerk. No, actually, Julie serves as the office administrator or office manager. She's the one, and for Pastor Dan, Julie is the place home is because of what's Julie's service. This is about keeping notes at the business meeting, which Sunday or, or Wednesday. So uh, select one. Uh, I hope you select Julie. And the last one is nominating committee, and there's four names, uh, all godly, uh, in this case, godly women. And uh, select three. And I want to make sure you understand this is a very, very critical position. You should identify and approve individuals for specific ministry. Uh, and the names that we have on here is what came from that nominating committee. And the qualifications are uh, the maturity knowledge uh, of the church body as well as what I've heard of the gift of uh, wisdom and discernment. And so please look through those and select. And then also a critical, uh, sign your name on it. It's not signing because we're looking for anything specific, but it's this is our way of keeping record of who was here and who voted. If you have just a squirrely cue for a signature, if you just print your name underneath it, but this will be our record of who was here and who voted. And uh, any questions on that? Okay, if you mark your ballots, then uh, bring them to uh, the center. And if I can get someone to pick those pick those up. Okay, Scott's going to pick up and uh, Stephen's going to pick them up. Start walking through the financial finances for 2016. Before I go through the 2016, I just want to review 2015. These are projections. Obviously, we have uh, nearly another month, so Julie and uh, Mike have forecasts and seen now what we forecast to be for the remainder of the year. For income, we're, we're, we believe it will be around 320000 $20,000. That was used, obviously, it covered expenses, but I will tell you that it also uh, covered some of the needs of the missionaries because the missionary giving wasn't sufficient, so we had to, did have to transfer some money from the general fund over to the missionary fund. The expenses, the normal expenses was $313,000. And so we, we didn't all of a sudden have 7000 in the bank. That was, we actually went down in our savings, but that was, again, covered by missionaries. Julie also put down our total liabilities presently is 476000 Obviously, we'd love to uh, distinguish or excuse that sometime in the near future. Um, that keeps us away from paying that. Obviously, we have a beautiful facility that it keeps us away from other ministries that probably could be more fruitful or provide additional fruit to uh, our ministry here for, for Jesus Christ. For 2016, uh, first will be income. And I know this is, you all know this, but I just want to repeat it, is that uh, every week we don't get a 
expected God to send to us and said, here's the one we need this week. Now, God does it a different way, and I think it's a, a better way. Does it a different way, a better way. And it's the right way. Instead, he gives every, all of us a check, and then he gives us an opportunity for a blessing by giving back to the church. So what we have is what God has provided and what he has provided in our hearts to give. That's the way he wants it. And this is his church, and I believe that's, let's go with his way. Uh, I, I appreciate your faithfulness. $320,000 for a church I size is a lot of money. I appreciate your faithfulness. And we are forecasting this year that our income will be better than that. But since you uh, don't know all the issues that come up within the church, the needs of the church, we're just saying that we're sure it'll be more than that. But our expenses will be to what the giving was last year. Uh, but God, God gives us blessings every day. If he blesses us in, in the way of additional funding, uh, then uh, obviously we can talk later on mid-year about what we would use those for. The worst thing in the world is for our church to have a, a checking account of a million dollars and the loss of a feeling that could be served with that money. So we will never be have a million dollars in church or in our in our checking account, but sometimes it would be nice to have more than a couple hundred dollars anyways. Is that right, Julie? Did you amen from Julie? So let me tell you the order that we went through, how we did this. Now, the first one was eventually to keep the doors open. And so the mortgage, the consumers, the sewer, those type things, those are just expenses for having a church here. So that has to be covered first. We don't plan on walking away from mortgage. We have a responsibility to pay for that. Second is for our awesome staff and, and promises that we have made to them. Just an illustration. Obviously, we hired Daniel um, to come down here with his wonderful family. Uh, we couldn't very well say, hey, Daniel, thanks for coming. Now we're going to cut your salary. We made a promise to Daniel. So, and we made promises that we, and we all believe, and I've said to my broker record on this, is that workers will deliver other wages. But at the same time, we do have... Um, we have a wonderful staff of Pastor Daniel, Pastor Jay, Pastor Wes, and, and office manager Julie. But we had to make some changes, not because none of those British um, workers didn't deserve much, much more as what our church can afford. And it's just a one-line number. This is not a secret, but we pay them. Um, if you have a, this great need to know what everyone makes, uh, I'm more than willing to share that with you. But in this case right here, this is the recommendations from the finance committee and approved by the deacons for the total for the staff and salaries to be 100, about 195000 And that, obviously, we'll be paying Daniel. Now, Wes, we had told that uh, mid-year, talked about moving him to a uh, youth pastor. I think many of you already treat him as a youth pastor. He is the youth pastor, but technically he's an intern. Uh, we will continue internship alike for the whole year uh, with a slight increase, but we'll continue paying the same way we've been doing, which is we pay for the apartment, I pay for the heating and cooling, and then give him a sort of a lump sum on a weekly basis. And there'll be a slight increase starting mid-year if we all Based on what I've seen so far, uh, they're on fire for Lord. And so uh, we will continue that. Uh, a 
Julie will continue as her duties as well. And Jay, uh, Jay will be working 18 to 20 hours a week. Not because we don't want Jay to work 80 hours a week, because we do. And Jay's up here a lot right now, more than 40 hours, based on the budget. We've asked him to uh, uh, work in 12 again, 40 to 18, 20 hours per week. Again, it's not because we don't think the most of Jay. Jay is, uh, we love Jay and wish he would be here all the time. I can print it down and this is what we're going to pull. So that's um, 195,000, So it was keep the doors open, pay for our awesome staff free for the other ministries and supplies. And so he said, wow, we, this is a, a reduction from what we've had on some of the ministries. Uh, the top priority ministries, you can see our Sunday School Christian Education, 3,000. Outreach and Landlordism is 2,000, and Youth Group is 1,000. And uh, well, not necessarily the second priority, but the other ones that have provide much food are discipleship, ladies' ministry, and, and worship. And you can see those are roughly, roughly what they were last year. Maybe slight increase, but roughly the same as last year. And so the total budget you can see comes out around 319000 versus the minimum expected contributions of 320000 any questions on the budget or the budget? Yes. Yes, I know that's it. If it's a typo, but that's okay. We're going to do twice as much worshiping this year. Is that okay? I would say it's a typo, but no, Julie never makes mistakes, so it's just we're going to do twice as much worshiping. Julie thinks we should do twice as much worshiping this year, so. from West and West of Ike, what we, what we said was that we would, that it would be a one-year internship, and I think, what was the date you started, West? July 6th. So, so just July 6th, and we had told West that we would not bring him on board as an intern uh, unless we can continue on with youth pastor if things worked out right. And my, I, if I voted right, I would love to vote right now that we would like to keep Lindsay and Wes on, but, but we will have a vote on that uh, late spring, and even though we've all considered our youth pastor, we will continue to pay him that way first, uh, so we'll continue to pay for it, and it, because paying for the apartment, the heating and cooling and stuff like that is actually cheaper for us to do it that way, we're trying to maximize what we have to the benefit the glory of God and for the benefit of our ministry here. That's what, and all this was a, we have uh, reviewed this with Wes, and he agreed. Uh, also, I didn't have it, and I forgot to say Pastor Jack. Sorry, apologize, Pastor Jack. Pastor Jack is our pastor emeritus, and we plan on continue keeping him around, and we pay, we do give him a, a retirement uh, salary as well. And if you see him, he's around at all times of ministry. Any other questions? Yes. Copy rate for the, some of the music we use and other. Uh, oh, absolutely. Everything. Some, some get in there expecting some kind of return for the airport thing, so we have to pay that. Because I think that, that mostly that goes into the music, isn't it? Yeah. 
questions? Yes. Yes. Now, it, it's not as, it, I don't think it was ever real generous. Uh, I mean, Pastor, actually, none of it's very generous. Uh, it's, we do have some, and they're not as generous in the past, but we do have some. Pastor Jack will continue to pay him um, a, a small salary. Uh, Pastor Daniel has a, a slight uh, amount for retirement. And uh, in, in the future, all our pastors will have that, as well as we also want our pastors to have an education plan. Not just for them, but also their families going forward. This year, we had to remove a lot of that. Again, if their giving is a lot more, then we'll come back as soon as the, it changes drastically and, and increase the retirement fund and the education fund for children and their families. I've always told the pastors also, if there are special needs coming up, the church has always been more generous to, for special needs than I can soon as the funds are, uh, again, this is not because Joe, uh, Pastor Jay is the least of the ones. That's not the case at all. We have prioritized our ministries in the past. This is what we afford. Uh, if we had the money, we would not be doing this thing now. Uh, we love Jay. We love the ministry he has. Uh, and I, I will tell you, when Pastor Ken left, we, we bumped the salary up and he earned every penny of that. And I think all of us agree he did a fantastic job. This is not about who deserves it. This is about what we have. Okay. Thank you. Do you have another question? It's, it's a, I think, a business membership, and so that gives you a better discount. Uh, it costs that, and then you get you know, 500 or $600 in savings. Uh, and, and actually, the way it works right now, they actually give you, you can get a check or a one lump sum of so much because you spend so much every time you, you go there. So it's just a membership. Yeah. And we actually, I think, have a card for you on several cards. Yes. Yes. You have an individual membership versus a, a business membership. Business membership, you can get more from more savings from it.
has all the answers, but she's, uh, she doesn't want to pick up the headphones. Okay, but you have the phone. Julie's just going to talk, not use the microphone. We get the same results because we don't pay taxes on all stones. And you don't get from the individual one. Okay. So. Go ahead. So I will tell you also, some of these numbers on there, Julie has, you look through the fine tooth comb. Uh, and that's good. Uh, the latest thing is the expenses for uh, phones is down, is down drastically because now we have phones as a nonprofit. You see under the bank for $500. Looking at the other banks, we charge a lot less. Even though we love State Bank, they've been uh, with us for many, many, many years. Guys, you have to be competitive with other banks as well. So we're talking to banks and said, we need to think about lowering that for us since we've been such a great customer. Continue to be a great customer, uh, but you have to be competitive. towards uh, gives the biggest blessings for the for Jesus Christ and so you can come to deacons explain how building for Christ is a is a good uh, good usage of our money quilting for Christ and we'll have to remember that one Essentially, $20,000 is a lump sum at this point. You know, it's $20,000 just a lump sum. And, uh, it's for Jay's, for Jay's roof has and so forth. Again, this is not uh, this is not something that deacons, one of the reasons why some people don't like to be a deacon, it's not easy decisions. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we also spend what we don't have to do. Uh, we used to have a stutter fund, essentially the stutter fund is not one of them, unfortunately. Insurance guy, but I'm sure there are people in the church that know a lot more about the uh, less expensive plans. Okay. Jay says he has an, a great insurance agent. Just as leaving yours. Oh, you're on yours. Okay. Yeah. So she'll be on there for another year. Four more years? Four more years, okay. Well, we're hoping that 
too. <laughs> We're hoping that sometime in the future they could be a family and then get insurance coverage. You know, that's our that's our prayer for us. Give more. Uh, we're never. I, I, I don't think we restrict anybody from giving more, do we? No. Okay. Oh, I would say get him back to get him back to what he what he deserves. Probably around thirty thousand dollars. Yes. That's uh, every full time. That, that's not saying. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm wrong. Yeah. That would not be right. It was probably more like forty thousand. But I was thinking wrong money. On top of the twenty, I mean, because you can look at uh, we're not paying uh, the Social Security, which is fifteen percent. That's off the top. That's just to say, somebody here you don't see any really benefits, not president. So it's additional fifteen percent. Uh, so you're talking about insurance, uh, insurance mileage, uh, pay, and then. Security. So it's probably around the north thirty thousand. That would be sort of where it would be to for someone in that with that experience, with that education. Uh, that would be worth that thirty thousand. Yes. Okay, uh, I need a motion. Okay, Jason uh, makes a motion. Um, Ginger, sorry, I'm terrible at names. Ginger seconds it. Any additional questions? Okay, uh, those in favor, I'm going to ask you to, since the yeas and yeas, if you just raise your hand. Disagree with it, which is fine. We're all a, a body here. If you disagree, you raise your hand. Put your hand back down, Dad. No, he didn't raise his hand. Okay, uh, that's all our business except for prayer requests. Is there anything else before before I close in prayer? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Less, how about if we pull the missions fund also? The missions. Uh, let me go through the missions. It is uh, proposed for 2016 as a budget of 40000 
40,000 is based on commitments, on the commitment cards that people have written in. Uh, often people think above and beyond that, but that's what the commitment is. Uh, and you look at it, uh, uh, several members have come off, a couple of missionaries have come off. Two of those, the Andersons and the Hill, uh, because they do not agree with their doctrine. Uh, that's their expression. Uh, as well, I know the details, Pastor Ken, or Pastor Jack can tell you uh, what the details were. It's a lot about what Bible we use, what uh, translation we use, and, and possibly our music. Uh, two people have stopped, and one person has retired and does not need our support. At the same time, McPhail Foster's O'Brien family, uh, we're moving them up to Oswald Cookwood. Last thing is uh, the mission special, uh, excuse me, the adult missions trip to pastors. Uh, they're sending their pastors as well as other able-bodied people to Brazil this year. So that's 2,000, again, is what we have. But we do not want our pastors, Pastor West and Pastor Jay, to pay for that. That would be 4,000. So uh, there's a shortfall of 2,000 that uh, we will find the money to send them. Right now, 2,000 is the budget. We will find the other 2,000. Uh, I'll be selling my pop cans or whatever. You guys can all sell your popcorn. Pop cans will be out there just on that. So, correct. Yes. Questions on the mission budget? Or have a motion for that? Julie, can you stand up and take her name? I'm terrible at names. Just stand up and take her name. Do I have a motion? I know her name, Charlotte. She's on my deacon's list. Uh, do I have a second? Deb? Yeah, Deb. I know her too. She's on my deacon's list too. Uh, any additional questions? Jack, Emily got married, and now she has a different mission field, and she's not a, a not a missionary anymore. What are her requests? She's not requesting them anymore. Okay, how about from the Piper? that got their attention, maybe not. Uh, we've asked them many times until the check stops coming. Maybe they were, they're, we pray they're still in the ministry. If they are, uh, we would obviously consider again that right now they're not responding to our letters. We're not getting a letter back from them, so we're not sure how the fiscal money is being spent for the crisis ministry. Any additional questions? And this right here, if you, if you agree with the budget, uh, raise your right hand. Those opposed, same time. Okay, both cases are unanimous. Okay, Pastor Jack, was there any other business I missed? Okay, Pastor Daniel. Oh, 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 question. 
meetings that we would love you to come before the deacons. Um, so we tried to get the deacons today, but unfortunately because of the weather, it was not a, a, a great time. I will tell you that uh, we get the deacons together. If you guys have ever to be here next week, we'll have all the deacons together. And so can we postpone it for just one week? Can I ask you what school that you root for? (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's sort of neutral to us, I guess. In fact, that's very good. We could probably, if it it was first, maybe that school's on the road a little bit, there might have been difficult in the election next week, but... uh, Should have brought that up. And your son's name? Joseph. Okay. And uh, I will tell you who else is in the membership class. I think everyone knows Jess. Well, then we're going to spend this thing out over a couple weeks. We'll have says you will be here next week. Is Sh- Sharon's not here, is she? We have one additional person, Sharon. Sharon is, uh, yeah, she's with the membership. Actually, everyone's with the membership. The only thing because of the, the scheduling, the snow and other things, we just have not got the members associated with the deacons, but they went to the membership class. So we have a couple of papers, so Sharon. And I will tell you, uh, there's one additional person in the class. Her name is uh, Jade? Is Jade? Jade's not here, is she? Pray for Jade. <coughs> uh, she's not applying for membership. She just wanted to know what we believe. Uh, as far as I know, she's not saved yet. So please uh, pray for Jade. She grew up in a, in a family that was not saved. Uh, but bless her heart, she was interested in She lives with Richardson. She'll be here for the whole year, so don't you don't have to roll rush her next week and pounce on her. She'll be here for a while, but uh, obviously we'd love her to talk about the joy with us. Pastor Daniel. He prays. There's also a party of the 12th, right, at your house? At Bella's house on December 12th, and there's, there's several parties going on, so let's gather for that. I want to just say that I'm very humbled and thankful for God's provision through you that we can give ourselves to the work of ministry. I, I serve with a tremendous staff for the size of the church that we have to be able to invest in the ministry. I'm thankful for Jay. Jay is a faithful, very devoted to the God's Word type of leader when it comes down to both music and the teaching of the Word. We, we are very gifted in that. Because, of, really, because of our, 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 well, what the church had determined was the need of having a youth pastor. God, 
Jay didn't feel like that his gifting and calling go. Yeah, I think he did a tr- for what I've heard, did a tremendous job as a youth pastor. His main gifting wasn't long term to be a youth pastor, and his desire is to be an adult ministry, adult education ministry, but especially music and worship ministry. And as we grow as a church, Lord willing, we we have a commitment and a desire to bring him back full time. Pray for him as he looks for other employment, help compensate, and really maybe be the main main source of his income. So I, I wish th- I wish this wasn't the case. None of us do, and I, I'm thankful for his spirit and his love for this body because he loves this church. Secondly, I'm really thankful that Wes is here. Wes does a great job. He loves his students. He loves their family, and he's just getting started, and I believe God's going to use him in a mighty way, him and Lindsay and the team. And then, and, and I, I'm so thankful for Julie. Julie does things that nobody knows. She's and, and all good things that is, and and she's and she and she does things otherwise we would all be suffering over different details. And I'm really thankful. I over the last several years I had several secretaries that I worked with at Northland that did office administrative stuff, <laughs> and she's much better than them. I mean. I don't 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 tweet that or Facebook that. Don't say that. I just be, I mean just the transition and just her just being able to figure things out, problem solve, and understand the ministry here. Uh, even just with the budget thing, she is continuing to look to see where she can say she's calling insurance companies, she's calling quotes on photocopiers, all these type of details, and she's working towards scrupulously helping us in those areas. But and she just loves this church. Lastly, it, it is a privilege that we are able to have an insurance plan. I mean, a retirement, pay a retirement salary. It's not big, but to pay, pay a retirement salary for Pastor Jack. He deserves every penny of it. And, and I'm glad that our church has been committed to doing that for him. I, I couldn't have a better mentor being here at this church, and I have a mentor pastor. That is Pastor Jack, and I love it, and I'm thankful for it. Pray for him. Pray for his health. I know you do. And uh, he he's also a shepherd here. He shepherds and ministers here in the flock, and I'm so thankful for that. I do pray that very soon that we can. Uh, it would be wonderful in the next several years. God would bless in such a way that not only for Jay to come out full time, that we can also retire the debt of the building because that would just that would solve our salary issues right there. But God knows. And I'm thankful for this building and how he's provided for us so far. Oh, by the way, um, due to the generosity of the church, uh, Wes would love him to show you his new projector back in the team room sometime. You don't even have to, I think you can use it with the windows. Uh, the lights aren't even right. True, there is two candles in the Lazette, but that was not true, was it? <laughs> it had to be perfectly dark for you to see anything. Now you can see a movie or video back there in a bright light. Since I've been the pastor here, 
The Packers have lost at Lambeau against the Lions. Every time. It's terrible. Well, then I think we should pray. Oh, we got a question. Oh, Charlotte. Okay, get back to and uh, so great. I mean, we sh- we really need to pray for Pastor Jack. He's been with us for years and years, and he's still our pastor. We want to keep him as a pastor for many, many more years. Uh, and uh, I usually don't have many good words to say about U of M, but I do say they, they have a great medical hospital down there. Terrible football team, but great medical hospital. Any last things before? And we need to pray for the. Any other things that I missed? And I, I tell you, this is great. We are family. I'm glad we can have a lot of fun stuff, serious stuff, but we can have a fun time doing it. But I'm glad we can do that. So any last things before we move on? Okay, I look forward to the next couple of weeks and bring you some additional members of our church. So let's pray. We bless the loving Heavenly Father. As, although we've talked about uh, keeping the doors open and the sounds of individuals, this isn't about being a family about being in the family, about being faithful, being faithful children, being faithful servants, being faithful students. I pray that we might be children that are worthy of the family we belong to, and always remember the price that was paid for that membership, that adoption in that family. Pray that we might go forward, growing and reaching the lost for Christ. As your servant Jude says, that we are earnestly, earnestly contending for the faith being the salt and the light that you would have us to be. Working out our own salvation, but looking forward to our greeting in heaven when we get there someday. Well done.